Stay tuned for The Lynn Show. Today, I'm airing an interview with a remarkable man, theater director James Dean Palmer. The word which for me mostly describes James' story is inspirational. Certainly, we all know that many people have potential which they are never able to reach. So when someone who has all the cards stacked against him not only reaches his potential, but becomes gloriously everything that he is capable of becoming, it is noteworthy. And James Dean Palmer has not only become all of those things which were possible for him, his life is a kind of beacon and he uses it to encourage others to become what is possible for them. It's a wonderful story. Hang on. Here come the show. Hearing from an inner voice Finding choice where there's no choice With gentle prodding from person you think you have to be, not the person other people are, not the person someone told you you had to be or even told you you were, not even the person you may currently think you are 
but the person you really are. In my show, I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. I do it because when you listen to them, you can hear what it sounds like to be who you really are. As I said in the run-up, James Dean Palmer flew in the face of his history. James became someone his history would have said he could not be. What James became is what he really is, who he really is, what was really possible for him. I'm not going to say any more about this because James tells it so much better. So here now is the remarkable James Dean Palmer. Okay, I am here with James Dean Palmer, and I'm interviewing James because he is directing the first production for the conservatory, which is Arcadia. I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. I'm making the assumption that the art to which you are giving your life, making mm -hmm. your living, is the art of directing? That is 100% correct. Okay, good. Yep. So then I only have one question, and it is... Can you remember, can you tell me, the very first time in your life when plays, stories, theater, you're shaking your, you're nodding your head. I always <laughs> do that. I always do that wrong, right? So good. What is it? Yeah. Well, I, I came to theater in a very strange way. Mm -hmm. I was born and raised in a trailer park in southeastern Iowa. Wow. Uh, my mother left when I was a child, and my father was a motorcycle biker tattoos, beard, all of that. I didn't see a professional production until I was 17 or 18. We saw school productions. Did the school productions have any impact on you? Uh, this is gonna sound terrible, but it's the truth. I used drugs and alcohol when I was in high school, and mm -hmm. one of the reasons I got into theater was because one of the kids that I did drugs with was also involved in theater. Uh, it got so bad that my junior year of high school, I had to go into rehab. I totaled a car into a parked sheriff's car. Uh, got that nice scar right wow. there from that. Um, and uh, went through rehab. And I was in a group counseling session, and they were talking about power statements. And they said, here are your options. I have to mow the lawn. I'm being made to mow the lawn. Or I choose to mow the lawn. And I'd never thought about how much agency I had in my life before until it was laid out that clearly. And that was around the same time that um, I was getting involved in theater. And, and getting involved, what does that mean? I was also in a heavy metal band. I started spending a little more time with the theater kids than with my heavy metal skateboarding kids. I was acting in plays. St go back and and tell me the first time that you acted in a play and how that happened, if you remember. In grade school, I played Ben Franklin. Okay, I, so that didn't have any impact on you. No. But when you started to hang out with the theater kids, mm -hmm. did you think, well, I'll try and be in a play too, or did somebody say you should be in a play, or did somebody say we need a, a guy here? Or, do you remember how that went? I, uh, yeah, I, I heard there were auditions, and uh, my friend told me about it, so I went in and, and auditioned for the play. Okay, without thinking, this is something I really want to do, this is just another thing to do. I didn't have, I, I didn't have a sense of agency or, or focus when I was in high school. Uh, it was very laissez-faire, and I went wherever my 
interest in the moment took me. I was okay, all right. So I just want to get the chronology. Did you start hanging out with the theater guy, audition for the play, mm -hmm. before or after the rehab where you discovered before. agency? Before. before. Yeah. Okay, so you already had a little experience of theater, mm -hmm. and then you had this epiphany when you understood that there was such a thing as having agency over your life. That's that epiphany, epiphany happened, right. yep, while I was coming out of that phase of the, the drug and alcohol abuse uh, and coming in a little bit into the world of the yeah, theater. Yeah, you'd, you'd already put your toe in the theater. I'd already dipped my toe in, yeah. yeah. right, okay. Well, and years and years later, it, it sort of dawned on me that I grew up around guys who wore you know leather jackets and had big hair and you know and their names were like Muttley and Queenie and Feet you know all and I was like oh I grew up around a cast of characters yes I was like these are people who wear their identity in their costumes yes. so it was it was all right there I just didn't realize what it was it was very theatrical so theatrical Amazing. Okay, so you have this friend with whom you share um, an interest in alternative substances, <laughs> yes. right? And he introduces you, essentially, mm -hmm. to the fact that this is there. Yeah. And then you have the lovely experience with the sheriff's car. Yeah. And then you have the epiphany. Yeah. And then what? I stopped doing drugs and alcohol. In my senior year, uh, I, I focused on trying to be a better student, artist, person, it wasn't enough to really turn my life around, but I threw myself into the theater that year and directed my first play. How did that happen? How did what happen? Did you directed a play? So there was this thing called the 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 thespian troupe uh -huh. in the high school, and somehow uh, I was elected the president of the thespian troupe. <laughs> no 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 no. <laughs> God, I haven't thought about this stuff in decades. Well, but what is somehow? <laughs> I I don't remember. I I I was elected the president of the thespian troupe. I, okay. I I'd, I'd acted in a couple of the shows. Well, I, well, do you remember if you enjoyed it? I must. I enjoyed the socializing. Ah, yes. I I, I really enjoy. I don't know as if I really knew what the heck I was doing, um, but I certainly enjoyed the socializing, and it was. I wasn't a sports person. I was a skateboarder, but I wasn't a great skateboarder. I was in a heavy metal band. It was a good heavy metal band, but it wasn't great. But I had some success in the theater. Yes. Apparently enough to where they felt like taking a chance on this. I had blue hair and green <laughs> hair and spikes and everything, and they still elected me the president of the Thespian Society. So it's really interesting. And this is what it sounds like, is that for the first time you found a community that liked you, accepted you, that you felt comfortable in, and you were good enough in the plays, actually, that they wanted to keep you there. And you were pretty theatrical, apparently. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> that's, that, yeah, I would say that's true. Okay, yep. so they elect you the president, it's amazing, <laughs> actually, and... That still doesn't explain how you come to direct. Well, that was part of being the president, is at the end of the year, you directed a, a, a play for the school. Did you even know what a director did? No. Um, that's what the sense I'm getting. Yeah. So do you remember the play you directed and what if you knew what? I do. It was called Dragons. 
It's about kids in high school, some of whom have dragons. Personal dragons being a metaphor for personal turmoil in their lives. Perfect for you. Yeah, it was kind of a fantastic pairing. A drummer from my band had this big rock and roll PA system. He brought his PA into the auditorium and for all of the transitions, we just played heavy metal music that we loved, that we were like, we gotta force the school to listen to all of this great music. I remember it being a very moving process and throwing myself into it. I still don't think I had any idea what I was doing. So, are you thinking then of what you might do with your life or whether it has anything to do with theater? No, I remember graduating and all of that existential terror hit me at once. Uh, I was petrified yes. because I knew there was one path in front of me that was, I stay in the town, I keep playing in my band, I work at a factory, I probably start drinking and doing drugs again, and I go down that road where I've seen so many others go down. Yeah. And I was, at that I don't know why, I was bound and determined that that wasn't going to be my life. Well, and forgive me, but it seems to me that that rehab gave you something that a lot of other people didn't have. Just to go back to that, so I had a series of incidents involving drugs and alcohol and fights and stuff. But that night that I, I stole the car and drove it while intoxicated and smashed it into a park sheriff's car, I drove the car home. And I got out and I went inside, I bandaged my hand and passed out. And around 5 a.m. when the sheriff goes to go to work and he finds his car, he calls his co-workers, the police, who show up, and they follow the trail of radiator fluid back to my sister's parked car. Long story short, they figure out I did it, but the only thing they can get me on is leaving the scene of the crime. And my dad, who I don't think has ever made more than $12,000 a year in his life, could give me, in his humble opinion, nothing in the world, gave me the greatest gift. He went to my probation officer and said, what do you mean he's not getting punished for this. Because I, I, there was a fine for that. He was the one who forced them to put me into rehab. Oh my God. Yeah. And I, I hated him. <laughs> Read him the riot act afterwards. But it was, it was I, I can clock that as the moment when my trajectory changed. I'm really glad that you say this because so many parents think that the gift is not to get them punished and yeah, no, that was... We can't highlight this enough. Yeah, it was uh, uh, life-changing, and he didn't have to do that. And, you know, his relationship with law enforcement was tenuous at best. Yes. So for him to go in and do that was a big a big thing. But it, it completely changed my life. Okay, so here you are. You haven't given a thought to what you're going to do or who you're going to be, and suddenly you graduate and you get it that you have to do something. Mm -hmm. And it is terrifying, certainly for someone who has no guidance mm -hmm. and no plan, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So you said you went to college. Why did you go and why did you go where you went? Do you remember what, I, what I guess, the process was? No, it just always felt like that was the thing that I would do. I don't know why, because I didn't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. And there was a great community college in my hometown that the, the bar for entrance was incredibly low, so my GPA didn't matter. Uh, I got a small theater scholarship, so I continued doing theater while I was there. Oh, okay. Are you thinking at all that maybe theater is a life for you, or you're still not, you I, still I, have I, no plan? I still have no plan. I guess you could say I was majoring in theater. I don't think they called it that. 
but yeah, I was I was working in theater, and I was coming to the end of my two years at the program, and I didn't know what else to do. And I'd met someone uh, named Tom Stewart who uh, worked for the school and w- took great pains to mentor me. He took me to board dinners. He took me to the state capitol on trips. I mean, he just really opened my eyes to the world outside of my hometown. I remember going to the first board dinner. It was a big fancy dinner, and I'd never been to one before. And all the forks and spoons were laid out in front of me, and I panicked for a second. I was like, what do I do? I don't know which... I'm going to pick the wrong fork and ruin the dinner. And then I just waited and watched till I saw someone else pick up a fork. I was like, oh, that's the fork. So I got to the end of of the two years there, and I was on honor roll. I was in the... There was some special society that I was a part of for, for grades and for participation in the school and everything. I had this potential inside of me that I didn't know how to activate in high school. Um, Oh, I didn't even know it was there. Or didn't even know it was there, yeah. And Tom helped me. He saw it. Yeah, he did. And, uh, you know, again, that's another person who, like that moment when my father made me go into rehab, Tom came into my life at the exact right moment and got me from the community college in my hometown to Simpson College in Iowa, which is one of the top private schools in Iowa, uh, and it was just south of Des Moines, Iowa, so I would be leaving my hometown and going to live somewhere else, and it was a whole big uh, ordeal. What I, Then I had to declare a major to go and get my bachelor's degree, and I remember thinking, am I going to be a business guy, which is, I think, the <laughs> technical term that I used for my, to myself then. Am I going to be a business guy, or am I going to do theater? And I was like, well... The worst thing that could happen is I fail miserably and I have to come home and work at a factory. And that was my status quo anyway. So I really have nothing to lose. Why don't I go after the thing that I'm passionate about? Oh, my God. I was like, fine. I'll go be a theater major. And I did. I went to Simpson College and studied acting there for two years. I graduated magna cum laude, summa cum laude, one of the two. Somebody laude. Somebody laude. <laughs> I was loud when I you were loud right, and proud right, when right, I right, right. Uh, Yeah, and then and I still didn't know that I wanted to be a director then. I was still focused on acting. Uh, I got a job at the Texas Shakespeare Festival as an electrician, like the low rung on the on the totem pole. Did you know something about that? Yeah, I was doing work study there because I, I had no money. Oh God. I remember when McDonald's would do like 50 cent hamburgers, I would go and buy as many as I could and put them in the freezer because I had, I had no, like there were days when I was like, where am I going to eat? So I was doing work study there in the electric screw, which has throughout my life been... Saved you. Yeah. After I graduated Simpson, I went down to the Texas Shakespeare Festival and I met for the first time professional actors, professional directors, professional designers and realize that you could actually go and do this thing and make money at it. I was so scared to leave because I'd never left Iowa before, so when I got back from Texas, I was like, maybe I'm going to go back to my hometown for a couple of years and figure out what I want to do. And once again, another person, my uh, teacher at Simpson, when I told him that, I was like, I'm going to take a couple of years. He said, uh, listen, James, I'm going to be honest with you. Do whatever you need to do. You need to get your ass to Chicago right now. And I did. I, I moved to Chicago and didn't know anyone. And I used my skills as an electrician to start work at uh, Steppenwolf Theater. Became the donor records manager. And then for five of my years in Chicago, I was the assistant to the artistic director. So I, I moved. And then I started a you theater. You shot up. I shot up. Uh, and again. I, again. 
And then I, I was also running my own theater company, Moonlighting, as an artistic director for my own theater company, which also blew up. Um, but that first year that I was in Chicago, I was an, I was an electrician and a lighting designer. And uh, I, I'd seen directors work at Texas Shakes. And at some point, I'd made the decision that that's what I wanted to do, not acting. I was terrified to audition. Uh, I was like, I need to be a director. So I just started telling people that I was a director, <laughs> and they bought it. <laughs> and it just, it, but but it reminded me of those power statements that I had been studying. That uh, you could just you could change your story, just it, by saying rather than introducing myself as a lighting designer, I just started introducing myself as a director. Wow. And then I started directing. You never studied directing. Nope. But you did observe it. Uh, yep. I, when I started my theater company, I was directing there. And I had, again, still no idea what I was doing, but I bought a bunch of books <laughs> on directing, and I taught myself how to direct. And over the years, I got better and better. In 2010, I won the... So Chicago has its big awards called the Joseph Jefferson Awards, and I won a Joseph Jefferson Award for direction of The Love of the Nightingale, which is nominated for Best Production, Best Scenic Design, Best Choreography. I mean, it had a whole bunch of awards and was that your company or that, that was my company yep wow yeah the company went from no budget and nothing to we had our own theater space that we were managing uh that had a lobby and rehearsal spaces uh we had a board of directors we had a budget the last three years i was in chicago my sole income came from being the producing artistic director at that company a son of a biker a son of a motorcycle biker, yeah. My dad would come up and see the shows and be like, well, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm very <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> it's an amazing story, James. It only gets crazier. Okay, tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I knew that I could only get so far teaching myself as a director, and I, I knew I needed mentorship. And I'd been assisting the artistic director at Steppenwolf, Martha Levy, um, who was a dear, dear friend. And she said that I should privilege this time to go and uh, get my graduate degree. And she wrote some very kind letters on my behalf, and I ended up going to get my master's degree at Brown University, which I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be in an Ivy League school. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, so I went there for three years and decided that I needed to move my career forward, and going to Chicago would be keeping my career status quo. So I, after getting my master's degree from Brown, I moved to New York and have been a professional theater director ever since then. My God. How did you wind up here? Uh, I did a fellowship at Chautauqua, and another wonderful human being named Andrew Borba liked me and liked my work, and when Greg Lemming was talking to Andrew about directors he should hire. Andrew kindly put my name forward, and I got a call from Greg, and I thought it was just a conversation. I didn't know it was an interview for a job. <laughs> and uh, they brought me down to do a production of Julius Caesar with their students last year. Oh, that was you. That was my Caesar, yeah. Oh, my year. God, it was yeah. amazing. Oh, thank you so much. Wow. I loved that play. I loved that cast. I love the training here. Talk to me about Arcadia. I find it to be a, just an utterly sublime play. One of the best plays written in the last 100 years. It's so smart, 
and it's full of fiercely intelligent people. And on the surface of the play, they're stoic and uh, unflappable and well-mannered. But underneath every person is this simmering curiosity. And I think the real gift of the play is that it reminds us of how important it is to ask the big questions. We can get focused on the mutable problems in the world and fighting to make changes immediately around us. And this play reminds us that there's also unmutable questions that we need to be thinking about as well. And I think that's why it's so ineffably moving because the audience finds themselves at the end of the play incredibly present in a way that we don't find ourselves in our day-to-day -day lives. Um, okay, I have one more question. Having spent all of part of your life that you have spent um, pursuing this work, mm -hmm. what would you say about what that's like, what that means to you, what you have to say about it? I tell all of the students that I teach, if there's anything else in this world that you can do, you should go and do it because this is a hard profession and it's constant heartache and it's constant struggle and you kind of have to be like a barnacle clinging on to a ship in a storm because the only way to survive is just is just sheer will you have to stay in it but when you're doing it there's there's nothing like it if if you're really surrendering to the work your soul is engaged in it and it's changing you as much as you are changing it. And for someone like me who came from where I came from and needed someone to step into my life and say, you can tell yourself a different story than the one that you thought you could tell, uh, to be able to go across the country and hopefully teach audiences that they can tell a new story too is a personal mission. It drives me. That's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, what? James. James was lucky. People came into his life who saw and encouraged him to be the person he really is. But that wouldn't have been enough if James hadn't had the courage to leave his comfort zone. He knew what his future would be if he went home after college, but he risked going to Chicago where he had no idea what his future or his fate would be. As always, I hope you got something you can use from this show, something that inspired you, something that will bring you down to see James's direction of Arcadia, which is running at the Oslo Conservatory until November 18th. You see, I'm getting older. My hair is turning gray. Always oh, in my face and figure I've both seen No, I will not go gentle into that good night. I won't go with a whimper. I am going with a bang. Life's a song I keep on singing, not a tune that I once sang. I just keep returning like some goddamn
time has come and gone Oh, won't I please get off the stage Let someone else get on Well, I, I won't be relegated Or leave without a fight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night got some tang so you won't hear me simple I may have gotten 